Well, hi there, customer centricity champions. It's Denise speaking from C3 Centricity, and I've got the latest C3 Centricity podcast for you. It's called What a Short Hospital Stay Taught Me About Customer Experience. Examples of exceptional customer experience can come from anywhere. You know that. You keep your eyes and ears open and find inspiration everywhere. So do I. But last week I had the fright of my life. I returned from visiting my family over the festive season with an ever-increasing pain in my lower back. Okay, so sitting all day is not good for my posture, I know that. So I suppose I deserve to finally pay for all the hours I spend in front of a screen every single day. Anyway, it got so bad that I visited the doctor on Wednesday, who gave me painkillers, anti-inflammatories and a muscle relaxant. I took them all that evening, but when I got up the following morning, I fainted from a sudden intense pain. A half hour later, I managed to crawl out of bed and took my pills, and then hobbled back again to wait until they took effect. A couple of hours later, when I tried to get up, I again fainted with the pain, but now also had the new sensation of an explosion, of like a flame, a fire, which shot down my back to my right foot. I was totally immobilised in three seconds flat. I was in agony, so all I could do was to return to my bed. However, the mattress no longer offered any relief and I whimpered like a tortured animal as I suffered continuously from these now double injuries. Now, living alone, I realised that this was serious. Luckily, my mobile was by my bed, so I called the emergency services, who immediately sent an ambulance. All this to say that I ended up spending a night in hospital for the first time, or rather the second time in my life. However, the story doesn't end there. Two days later, I fell down the stairs as my leg became partially paralysed. Another visit to the emergency room, an ankle brace fitted, a consultant's assessment, an MRI scan and finally emergency surgery the following day. All these experiences of hospitals and doctors gave me the superb opportunity to see the health service from the patient's perspective. I work a lot with the pharma industry but luckily never became a patient, at least until now. As you probably know, I'm a big fan of becoming your customer and seeing the market from their perspective. It's one of the exercises that I suggest to better understand your customers. How often do you do it? Ever? Well, I learnt a lot from how to excel at customer experience from all my visits to all these different hospitals. Surprisingly, many of the practices of the nurses and doctors that I witnessed in my heavily sedated state are easily transferable to any business. And this is why I decided to share them with you. So here are my seven learnings about excellence in customer experience. Number one, introduce yourself. Every time someone came to my room, they introduced themselves and explained why they were there. As the first establishment I stayed in was a university hospital, there were tens if not hundreds of staff on duty, so I rarely saw the same person twice over the 24-hour period that I was there. 
I appreciated, therefore, that they themselves always started by introducing themselves and stating what their responsibility was in caring for me. So how can you apply this idea? In business, we often forget to introduce people in meetings. And when we do, we forget to explain their responsibilities, why they're actually there. Perhaps if we did this, there would be less people in a meeting, as only those with a real reason to be there would attend. Now that's already a money saver. But direct contacts with customers, whether by phone, email, chat, social media or in person, deserve the same detailed introduction. This moves the connection from a somewhat cold, professional exchange to something far more friendly and personal, if not actually personalised. How do we so easily forget that customer service is after all just two people connecting and engaging for mutual benefit? Number two, confirm that you know me. Although I myself saw many different specialists in the first hospital, it made no difference to how I was treated. I felt comfortable that my details had been transferred between the staff members so that they didn't have to ask me to repeatedly explain what had happened. They also always started by checking my name to make sure that they were speaking with the right person. So, how can you apply this idea? Now, while I accept that checking names and wearing wristbands are essential in a medical environment, most businesses would benefit from confirming who their customers are. Whether by careful targeting for marketing purposes or by reviewing notes of previous interactions with customer services, a company needs to immediately recognise a returning customer. Have you ever been frustrated to call a company only be asked to explain who you are and why you're calling? I know I have. It always makes me feel that the organisation doesn't really care about me. And with automation systems easily available today, there's absolutely no excuse for this sort of lack of knowledge. Personalisation has become essential in all engagements between companies and their customers. In fact, this is one of the most important uses of big data, both now and in the foreseeable future. Number three, ask if I'm happy and comfortable. Whatever the reason was for the medical practitioner to see me, they always asked if I was comfortable. They openly encouraged me to share any negative thoughts, feelings or sensations that I was experiencing. So how can you apply this idea? Do you encourage critique of your ideas from your colleagues? It takes a strong and confident person to constantly put themselves up for criticism. Too many people look only for positive support when asking for opinions, rather than truly constructive assessment. Many years ago, one of my first bosses mentioned that when he asked for opinions in a meeting, it was me he listened to the most. Why? Well, not because I knew more than my colleagues, no. It was because I said what I really thought, not what I believed he wanted to hear. Although he didn't always agree with what I said, he knew that what I said was what I was truly feeling. Over the years, I came to realise that he was one of a dying breed of true leaders. Many organisations today are political hothouses where supporting the boss is the only way to keep one's job. 
In fact, according to a Gallup study, around 50% of employees leave their company to get away from their bosses. Now, if you're in such a situation today, my advice is to get out now. You will more than likely end up leaving one way or the other, so why waste your time with a boss who lacks true leadership skills? You'll get the support you deserve and also need to grow elsewhere. And what about your customers? Do you encourage them to share complaints and ideas? Why not? It's much better to know what's wrong and put it right quickly than to continue in blissful ignorance until your customers leave. According to Ruby Newell-Legner in her book Understanding Customers, you are unlikely to hear from more than just a fraction of dissatisfied customers. Therefore, it makes sense to not only pay attention to complaints, but to actively search them out before they damage your business. Number four, ask if you can do more. As anyone who has been to the emergency room of a hospital knows, patience is important. You don't get seen by order of arrival, but by the importance of your ailment. In other words, if your problem is not life-threatening, you will pass after the road accident whose victim is more seriously injured. I know this and was happy to actually be left to float in a drug-induced relaxation between staff visits. Whenever they woke me up to check my vitals or to inform me of the next tests or treatment planned, they always finished by asking if I had any questions or needed anything else. I was made to feel that nothing was too small or unimportant to them if it made me feel more relaxed and comfortable. So how can you apply this idea? According to the White House Office of Consumer Affairs, it is six to seven times more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to keep a current one. Business, therefore, can no longer afford to merely satisfy their customers. They need to delight them. Do you ask both yourself and your customers what more you can do for them? If you do, you might just find a new product or service concept that answers their desires and actually get ahead of the competition. Number five, don't stop before the end. When I was admitted for surgery, I was told that the average stay was between 6 and 12 days in the hospital. Having thought I was there for just a day or two, you can imagine what a shock that was. As my progress after the operation was good, I expected to leave the clinic within five days. I always want to be better than average, don't I? However, with the added complication of the torn ligaments in my ankle, the professor had other ideas. I ended up spending 10 days there and am now on a month of complete rest before starting physio. So how can you apply this idea? As the well-known Napoleon Hill quote says, most great people have attained their greatest success just one step beyond their greatest failure. Some people are great at ideation, perhaps you're one of them. However, ideation without action is just daydreaming. Entrepreneurship is very popular today for both individuals and even within large corporations. However, so many entrepreneurs try an idea and when it doesn't immediately work, they give it up for a different one.
Yes, there have been some great successes, but most overnight successes have actually come from years of just hard work and dedication. Therefore, plan the work and work the plan. Today's world is one of constant change, so don't forget to be flexible and adapt to the changing circumstances of the market or your brand. But don't give up either. Just because one part of the plan didn't work doesn't warrant throwing out the whole thing. Number six, don't wait until it's urgent. As I tried to wean myself off all the painkillers, I found myself alternating between extreme pain and none whatsoever. Now the carers told me that while it's a good objective to reduce drug usage as quickly as possible, it is counterproductive to not take painkillers when they're needed. By my deciding to wait and see if the pain got worse before asking for medication, I found that the drugs became less effective. Small, slow steps work better than giant leaps in so many areas because they're sustainable. Think New Year's resolutions like crash diets, new fitness regimes or changes in our lifestyle habits. It's the small, almost imperceptible changes that tend to last and lead us to success. So how can you apply this idea in your business? Many adjustments that are needed in business involve making significant changes, whether to the culture or the processes. As the well-known saying goes, the best way to eat an elephant is one slice at a time. Therefore, when introducing large changes within your organisation, break them down into more humanly manageable steps. Want to become more customer-centric? Then start with one small step, like building your brand personas. And you can download the C3Centricity template for this on our website. Want to make a radical change in one of your processes? then it's often more effective to start by modifying the beginning and the end of the processes. The middle steps then adapt automatically as new needs are identified. For example, in updating your innovation process, start with better identifying the target customers and their needs. Then look how the launch will be rolled out and monitored. You will then realise that brainstorming in a vacuum or testing multiple concepts just before launch is no longer effective. These parts of the process will then be adapted to the new demands. If you want to find out more about our I3 Improved Ideation and Innovation One Day Catalyst Training, check out our website. Number 7. It all starts and ends with the customer. During my hospital and clinics days, I realised that they were there for me and not vice versa. I am extremely independent and had to learn to accept the help of others, even for some of the most intimate actions. It was normal for them, but not for me. They recognised that and did everything they could to make me feel at ease. From being there just when I needed them, to politely eclipsing to leave me alone when I needed some space, the staff knew that it was I who was important. So how can you apply this idea in your own business? Well, take a look at your website, your communications, your plans. Do they all start and end with the customer? 
Do you publish content your customer wants to read or just what you want to tell them? Does your contact information include every possible way a customer can connect with you or just a static form and a drop-down menu? Are your communications relevant and emotionally validating for your customers? Do your plans mention the customer as often as the brand? Remember, there may be customers without brands, but there are no brands without customers. And do your business and marketing plans show images of customers and include extensive knowledge and understanding about them? So there you have them, the seven lessons that I learnt about excellence in customer experience from my recent stays in various hospitals. As you can see, they are all relevant to almost any business environment and industry, whether B2B or B2C. Let me know what you think and whether you found learnings from your own experiences in other situations. The world is full of inspiration if we just take a closer look. If you need help in identifying, connecting and engaging the very best customers for your business, then let us help you to catalyse your customer centricity. Contact us on the website or check out for forthcoming webinars on Customer Centricity Champions and reserve your slot before it's too late. They're going fast. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed this podcast and the others that we've been publishing for the last few months, please don't forget to go on to iTunes and rate us and leave a review, an honest review. It really does help us to get noted on iTunes and also to continue to provide you with the very best value. Until next time, this is Denise Drummond Dunn signing off. Bye.